Hey friends, have you been dreaming of taking your ceramics work full-time? No, this is not the beginning of a cliche infomercial. And that's probably a stupid question, isn't it? Don't we all dream of taking our ceramics work full-time? I mean, I've been self-employed for the past 11 years, and I started dreaming of it as soon as I sat down at the wheel. No offense to my wonderful photography clients I get to work with, just for the record. This is episode 115 of the Maker's Playbook, and I'm going to talk to you this week directly, without a guest, about the million-dollar question, when should I go full-time? I've discussed with a number of our past podcast guests about what it took for them to go full-time. From Rachel on episode 113, who's just wrapping up her first year as a full-time potter, to Kara on episode 103, who's now the primary breadwinner for her household. We've also talked with potters who are dreaming, just like you and I, of going full-time, like Stephen of SP House Productions on episode 104, as well as potters just on the brink, like Diana of Sample House, who I chatted with on episode 110. Diana literally quit her 9-to-5 in the time between recording her episode and that episode going live to all of you. Some of their stories were planned out transitions, and some kind of just happened. But there's been a common thread between everyone in all of these various situations. It is a big, scary leap of faith. And a large part in making that decision of taking that scary leap is trusting ourselves. It's having the grit and tenacity and mental stamina to stare into the unknown and say, I'm doing it anyway. And while I talk with my one-on-one coaching students a lot about mindset, at the end of the day, you personally have to decide for yourself. There's no spreadsheet or free PDF guide I can put together and send you in our monthly tips emails that will say, okay, if you do XYZ, the uncertainty will totally go away and everything will work out. (laughs) Believe me, I wish there was. I would download that in a heartbeat for myself. However, there are some tangible, tactical, finite, and specific things we can discuss and measure when it comes to asking ourselves the dream question, should I go full-time? And that is exactly what I want to talk about today. I'm going to discuss the top five real-life questions to ask yourself when you're deciding whether or not to make the leap as a full-time artist and maker. But first, I do have one more disclaimer. By now, you probably know that I am the novice ceramicist in this household, and Francesco is the real pro. Where my proficiency excels is on the business side of things. Marketing and systems, tracking and planning. So these five real-life questions are focused on my expertise, the business side of things. There are obviously some very real levels of proficiency when it comes to our craft of making that I advise you feel confident in before going full-time. But I'll leave that discussion to the pros for another episode. Or you can always click back to listen to Camille and I's discussion in episode 101. Okay, let's dive in. Question number one. What are your absolute basic needs? I'm not talking about your dream salary here, although that is also important and I would definitely encourage you to boldly write that number down as a goal to be pursuing. 
But for starters, I'm talking about the bare bones. If you quit your full-time job, what are the absolute necessities you must be able to provide for and have enough money to provide for? Write down the full list as well as your best estimate of costs. Things like your monthly rent or mortgage, the average amount of money you spend on groceries, healthcare for those of us in the U.S., kids' schooling or activities costs, a car payment, etc., etc. For now, skip the weekly or daily trips to your favorite local coffee shop. And skip the cost of buying lunch on those days when you had perfectly decent food at home. Hey, no judgment here. I am not ashamed to admit how often I did that. There's a reason I married a man that can cook, my friends. I want you to have a list of what the bare minimum cost of your life would be on a monthly basis. If you don't have a clear idea on what those costs are, especially those variable ones like groceries and food, personal items, well, then I would definitely suggest waiting to quit your nine to five until you monitor those costs for a few months and get a realistic idea of what they actually are. You don't want to think that you can get by only spending $150 on groceries and then realize that actually a month's worth of even the most frugal off-brand milk and eggs and basic items is going to cost you $300. Once you answer this question, you should have a realistic idea of your personal minimum monthly budget. This does not include the cost of clay, glazes, equipment, firing a kiln, etc. Those are business costs. First, we want you to know what you personally need to, well, basically, keep yourself safe and relatively healthy. All right, question number two. Do you already have an audience and or are you already selling your work to that audience? For some of us, we think of going full time with our ceramics as soon as our hands touch the mud. Because let's be honest, to be able to sit with our hands in clay every single day is nothing short of a dream. But that dream and the reality of knowing that others actually want to buy our work, well, you know, sometimes they're two different things. However, If you're already selling your work online and you can't keep pieces in stock fast enough before they sell out, well, then you're in a bit of a different place when considering taking things full-time. What I'm talking about here is a business term called market fit. Product or market fit, as defined by the always reliable Wikipedia, is the degree to which a product satisfies a strong market demand. In other words, are there enough people out there in the world interested in buying what you create to meet that minimum that we just discussed in question number one. Now, I want to be clear here. This has very little to do with your Instagram follower count. So if you're listening to this and thinking, oh crap, there's no way I can go full-time yet. I only have 100 followers on Instagram. I want you to stop that negative talk in your head right now your follower count has very little to do with your market fit. Could it be a possible sign of the demand for your work? Yeah, sure, maybe. But that would only be true if all of your followers are actually the same people who are buying your pieces. Case in point, my photography Instagram account, at Rebecca Marie Art, 
which I've had for more than seven years, has, at the time of this episode, 2,520 followers. My friends, this is my primary source of income for my life, for Francesco and Hendrix and I's life. It's all mostly, predominantly, in this moment, coming from that photography business. I bought a condo in a pretty darn popular neighborhood in Chicago with the income from that photography business. And while over 2,000 followers might sound like a lot to some people, let me put it into perspective. Most, okay, well, maybe many, most, most of my photography colleagues and wedding professionals have over 15 to 20,000 followers. Yeah, that's 10 times the amount. So if market fit for my photography services was only based upon my Instagram account, we'd be in serious trouble. So what's my point of encouraging you to ask this question in the first place? To ask, are you already selling your work? Or do you already have an audience at least curious in what you're making? The point is not to have you dive down the deep, dark rabbit hole of comparison on Instagram. If this has led you there, then I want you to stop that scroll right now and come back to me, okay? The whole point of my asking that question is because the difference between a side hustle and full-time is the need to provide sustainable sales in order to provide a reasonable income for yourself. Not to mention... Getting comfortable with selling your work can take practice. It can feel awkward at first. Heck, just trying to figure out how you're going to accept credit card payments in order to sell online could take you a minute. So if you're already dipping your toes into all of that, it's going to make taking the leap to full-time a little less stressful. It is much less scary to test out whether or not people are interested in what you're creating before it's absolutely crucial to sell that work. So, if you haven't yet posted anything online, start sharing. It doesn't have to be fully finished pieces. I mean, how many of us love to watch a good throwing time lapse? Am I right? If you don't have a website yet, no worries. Instagram is the perfect platform for building a portfolio without needing a website. And it's free. If you can't hire a professional photographer to take photos of your pieces, just go download my at-home photography cheat sheet and start snapping away on your cell phone. Launching a new business before you have an actual audience for that business is exponentially harder than going full-time after people are already begging you for more work. And a side note. You do not have to start a completely new and separate Instagram account for this. In fact, I'd actually encourage you to even merge your personal and professional. People buy from people they know and like. Your audience, or your future audience, is going to want to peek a little behind the curtains. They want to know you. So you don't only need to be posting professional photos of completely perfectly finished pots. Now, I could dive dive down a whole rabbit hole on this topic, so we'll save that for another podcast episode in the future when it comes to talking about content marketing and just stay on track with today's topic. 
But if you're anxious to chat about that more, then shoot me an email. In the meantime, at Rebecca at makers-playbook.com and we can absolutely keep the ball rolling for you. All right, question number three. Do you know your numbers? In other words, if you're already selling your work, are the prices you charge actually covering your expenses? And not only covering expenses, but do those prices actually provide you with a livable salary? Do you notice how so much of this is all tying back into question number one? Here's an example. It is a fantastic feeling to go to a market and sell $1,000 worth of pots. But that doesn't necessarily mean you made $1,000. And understanding the difference between those two is crucial to being able to survive as a full-time artist. For example, if the booth at the market cost you $100, well then, now your $1,000 is down to $900. Then, of course, there's the supplies you had to buy to make all of the pieces you sold, the electricity bill for kiln firings, the super cute decor you bought to make your booth stand out from others at the market, and the on-brand printouts that go inside the recyclable packaging that you wrap each item up in for people to proudly carry around the market, showing off that they bought something from you. And my friends, we haven't yet accounted for your time the time it took you to make those pieces in the first place, and the time you sat at that booth selling your wares. And if that short list just stressed you out, well, first, know that you're not alone. It's normal for that to feel stressful. But let me ask you a question. Which of these two scenarios is more stressful? Thinking about this ahead of time, before your full time, knowing what numbers you need to be able to price your work at, and taking clear, decisive steps forward, or turning off this podcast, (laughs) shoving your head in the stand, frankly, avoiding this uncomfortable conversation, looking on Etsy at the prices other people charge for their mugs and their planters, and deciding, eh, that's good enough, and then realizing three months into going full-time that you might need to start driving for Uber in order to cover the next month's rent. I'm going to go ahead and assume that the initial discomfort in the beginning, you know, of having to think about a little bit of math with me right now, is way easier to stomach than the feeling of seeing your checking account dwindle when you thought you were actually making money. And with that assumption in mind, because so many of you responded to this topic on my Instagram recently, I put together a super simple math equation I use to set up my own prices. If you need help trying to figure out how to price your work to make it as a full-time potter or maker, then head over to makers-playbook.com slash pricing to download my super simple, even if the thought of math makes you queasy, equation for pricing your art. Now, these initial questions might be enough for you to take the leap. If your risk tolerance is higher than mine, maybe you've already taken the leap just by looking at your savings account and saying, okay, great, I'm good for three months, let's do this. But if you tend to prefer more information before making such a big change, then let's dig into one slightly more advanced question. Question number four, do you know your leading metrics? Now, you had to expect that I was going to dig a little into business systems, right? 
I mean, if you've been listening to the podcast for even a couple of weeks, you've surely heard what a systems-oriented person I am. But if I'm losing you because you heard the word systems and you're thinking, oh, here we go again, Rebecca. I'm a creative. I can't be boxed in. Stop talking about systems. The whole reason I want to go full time is so that I can just do things as I want, when I want. That's the whole point. Well, two thoughts. Number one, uh, it's going to be rough without any systems at all. I mean, your inbox is a system. So, you know, maybe just hold off on the total anarchy for a minute and and hear me out, all right? (laughs) Number two, this topic about leading metrics, it needs to be its own episode, frankly. So all I'm going to do right now is clarify what I'm talking about, and then I want you to just let it percolate in the back of your head a bit, and we'll leave the deep dive discussion on how to actually do all of this for another time. And if you're like me and love topics like this and get excited about systems, then you can totally send me an email and we can schedule a phone call to dig deep sooner rather than later. All right? So what is a leading metric? Well, we return to our good old Wikipedia for a straightforward definition. A leading metric or indicator is a predictive measurement. For example... The percentage of people wearing hard hats on a construction site is a leading safety indicator. A lagging metric is an output measurement. For example, the number of accidents on a construction site. So why do I bring this up? Most of us, and this is myself included up until a few years ago, focus on the lagging metrics. For example, The total amount of money in my checking account is not enough for next month's bills. Oh crap, I need to sell a heck of a lot more pots. Well, by the time you've hit that point, it's a little too late. And you might be tempted to sell those pots at a steep discount just to try to make ends meet. When you know from our earlier question that your pricing is a specific number because that's what you actually need to make. And charging less is how you got yourself into this tricky situation in the first place. A leading indicator in this situation would be monitoring your website visitors and noticing that two months ago, you had less visitors than normal. If you're selling your pots through your website, less visitors ultimately is going to mean less sales. Had you noticed that two months ahead of time, you might have done something to encourage more people to visit your website and thus boost sales and avoid the panic attack altogether. Do you see the difference? Again, this is a whole different conversation onto itself that we don't have time for on this episode. So I'm going to hold off on going into the deep dive. But if you're interested to chat more on the topic sooner rather than later, shoot me an email at rebecca at makers-playbook.com and I will gladly nerd out with you in the meantime. Okay, we've come to our last question. And this question actually has us turning 180 degrees to go back and talk a little bit about mindset. While it may feel a little woo to some, when you're your own boss, when you're putting on that title of owner, founder, or entrepreneur, well, then what you believe is possible is exactly what you're going to get. 
if you think or even repeatedly say out loud, $45 for a mug is so expensive. Who would pay that much for a mug? I can't afford that. Well, it's going to be awfully difficult for you to sell your favorite mugs that you make for $45. If you don't think it's possible, explaining to other people why they should spend their own hard-earned money, aka marketing and selling your work, it's going to be uncomfortable. And when you feel uncomfortable selling, frankly, it shows. Online viewers or in-person market guests can tell. The catch is, they aren't going to know why you're uncomfortable. They're just going to be able to sense that something is off. And when any of our spidey senses go on alert to say, uh, something's not quite right here, well, guess what? We don't buy whatever it is we were considering buying. And that's a good thing. It's how we avoid being scammed. But I'd like to point out that you, my friend, are not trying to scam anyone by selling a $45 mug that you made with love and care. You're just trying to grow a viable, dare we even dream, thriving business in order to make a living from the things you make. So the fifth and final question that you might not have been expecting is, what are you willing to sacrifice? Are you willing to give up those limiting beliefs? Are you willing to finally look at your work and confidently say, you know what? I've been practicing my butt off. My skills are solid. And damn it, this mug is absolutely worth $45 plus shipping. But just as this episode began, it's not only about mindset. Yes, you'll need to sacrifice a lot of thoughts and beliefs we were all taught in order to keep ourselves safe. After all, humanity has survived millennia by avoiding big, scary changes. But as you've heard from so many podcast guests already, all of that mindset work never completely ends. You can totally speed it up a bit by working with a business or life coach, for sure. I've worked with coaches for myself, and I also coach other makers as well. But it is still a constant awareness. On the other hand, bringing it back to the tangible that started this entire episode in the first place, what comforts are you willing to sacrifice in order to pursue this dream full-time? If you go out for a fancy date night once a week, is your partner willing to only do that once a month instead? If you love Whole Foods, are you willing to grocery shop at Aldi three out of four weeks of the month to lower that grocery bill? Now let's be clear. I am not suggesting that a ridiculously frugal lifestyle is the only way to make a living as a full-time artist. The whole starving artist concept is something that I think needs to be permanently erased from our culture as fast as possible. But if you're anxious to take your craft full-time sooner rather than later, if the late nights and the long weekends are wearing you down and all you can think about is quitting that day job, Well then, this is the question to ask. Because unless you already have a strong audience, larger than you could ever keep up with demanding for more of your work, getting a full-time business off the ground just might take some sacrifices to make it work. But I won't lie. The autonomy on the other side of that big scary leap 
is pretty darn fantastic. I mentioned a number of resources in this episode, so I'm going to do a quick little roundup in case your hands were muddy, and like me, there's no way you can remember an entire URL link from hearing it just once. First up, I mentioned my home photography cheat sheet. This is a free PDF that will give you a fast and simple setup for taking great photos at home with any camera. Yes, even your cell phone. You can download it for free at makers-playbook.com. It's right there on the homepage. I then also mentioned we have a brand new pricing guide, which I created directly because a number of all of you have sent me Instagram messages recently asking if I had a system on how to price my work. I mean, of course I have a system, you guys. <laughs> but now you can also have a super easy step-by-step guide to follow for pricing your work. Download it for free at makers-playbook.com slash pricing. And as always, I mentioned, if you have questions or want to dive deeper on any of these topics faster than I can create podcast episodes, shoot me an email at Rebecca at makers-playbook.com. Friends, thank you so much for all of your heartfelt emails and instant messages. They really are the best surprises each day and they mean the world to me. If you're enjoying this podcast, I'd so appreciate if you left a review on whatever podcast app you're using. But just as great as a review is sharing about the podcast on Instagram or directly with your friends. If you do share on Instagram, be sure to tag me at the Makers Playbook so I can follow you as well. Until next week, go get back to making your dreams a reality. Together, we've got this.